Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Sans Pants Radio. My grandma always said skipping is easy if you take it one step at a time. Hey, what's Pac-Man, everybody? Welcome to the Cynical Cartoons Podcast, where today I watched the first episode of Men in Black, the animated series, with my friend Ian Schrank. And after that, we'll be talking about Men in Black International. All spoilers, so if you've seen the movie, or even if you haven't, be sure to stick around. Ian's pronouns are he, him. Thanks for listening to Cynical Cartoons for another week. And as always, I'm your host, Mia Marchant. My pronouns are she, her. And I'm here if you need to talk. Here come the men in black. Face to face and make contact. Oh, you know the How words. How the hell by me? Am I B? Yeah, so today we're talking about the Men in Black, the animated series. Uh, this came out immediately after the movie came out. I think that weekend, right? Probably, yeah. They're like, oh shit, we got to make this in two days. And it shows, <laughs> but God, you got to love their commitment. <laughs> they were ready for it. There was a weird moment when it first started. I think when I first saw the characters and I'm like, holy shit. I was in kindergarten when this was on the air, <laughs> and that was a weird thought. Because I remember thinking it was really cool, but I hadn't seen the movie yet, oh, or you, the show. You did see it when you were a kid. I did. Oh, I loved the movie as a kid. We had one and two on DVD. I, mean, I meant the cartoon. Did you watch this as a kid? No, I didn't. No, just the movie. Yeah. Okay, I think you're not alone in that. But it's weird, because I think at the time... I was young enough, so I had just seen the characters and thought, God, this is so cool having never seen it. And then when I was older, I saw the movie and I'm like, oh yeah, this is better. (laughs) Yeah, my experience with the Men in Black franchise is primarily Men in Black 2, Mm -hmm. which I know is not a good movie. Simba's Pride. (laughs) Yeah, Simba's Pride. But yeah, I know that's not a good movie, but that's the one that I always have stuck in my head. And it's like 68 minutes long, I think. Like, it's not a real movie because it was supposed to come out in 2001 and it like featured heavily the Twin Towers in the third act. And they're like, nope, no, 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 no. I didn't Reshoots. know that. I thought Reshoots. I knew all the 9-11 movie trivia and that one <laughs> slipped by me. Yep. Yeah. Uh, that movie, Spider-Man and Lilo and Stitch all heavily affected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I remember a lot of the second one. I think I probably liked that more as a kid. Right. But I still the liked the first hot. one. That was That's a, a big, big, big part. Titties. That's a Yep. I look back and I think I appreciate the first one more and it's because they're pretty much the same movie. Yeah. (laughs) There's not much difference. That's the thing is the second one is definitely 
Very similar. Rosario Dawson is nice. It, yeah, it's a good addition for sure. Uh, Men in Black 3 is the only one that I don't really love, but I think if I had seen it as a kid, I would have liked it. Yeah, well, I say yeah like I agree. I have zero opinions about Men in Black 3. It came okay. out and I was I was just tired every time I saw something about it. Not as tired as when I saw stuff for Zoolander 2. That was like, oh my God, why are they doing this? Right. But I did feel that same sentiment towards Men in Black 3, just not as harshly and not as I, angrily. I saw it as a double feature at the drive-in with the Avengers. <laughs> And I was like, which one oh, was no. first? Yeah, exactly. Men in Black 3 was first, and I fell asleep. Okay. And I was like, please don't let me sleep through the Avengers. <laughs> <This is> fucked <laughs> up. <laughs> we haven't seen Men in Black International yet. We're recording this a couple weeks in advance. So that drops probably a couple days before this comes out. I'm really excited for it. I mean, who knows if it'll be good? I'm hoping it's good. I once met someone at a party who worked on movie posters. And he said he read the script and really liked the script. So I'm going off that. That was actually great because that's before I knew they were making a new Men in Black. He's like, oh, you know the new Men in Black? They're making another one? Yeah, with uh, Tessa Thompson and I think Crims Hemsworth. I'm like, what? Did you say Crims Hemsworth? Yeah. That's That's Chris's brother. Oh, that's right. Crims. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the thing is that when people hear this, they're going to know how the movie is. So we're going to just like pretend like we know... And I'll just say, I'll give you two alts for myself in editing later. I'll say, oh, the movie was great. I loved it. And then I'll say, oh, the movie was terrible. I hated it. And I'm just going to make life harder for you later and talk about I love the part where Chris Hemsworth shoots the gun and his pants catch on fire. And it's like, oh, no, what's he going to do? And they put it out. But they've already disintegrated. (laughs) And now his dick is gone. That's great. I love that part. the other guy in it? Liam... Liam Neeson. I was yeah, going to say, say like Hemsworth. racist Qui-Gon Jinn. Yeah. And then he makes some witty one-liner about it. But yeah. Yeah. Moving on. I'm kind of scared because no live action Sony comedy is good. That's sort of my hill all die. Okay, 21, so 22 the... Jump Street are great. Okay. Yeah, That's I'm, it. You're going to have to tell me what live action comedies are from Sony. All of Adam Sandler's recent work. That's not on Netflix. Um, Copy that. Ghostbusters. <laughs> No, actually, you've made your point. I yeah. don't need to hear yeah, more. Yeah, Pixels and Ghostbusters. That's all you need to hear. Oh, Pixels. I mean, honestly. Um, so that's, you think that's... it takes place in the same universe as Pixels? No, because because the, the men in black would have showed up to stop the alien invasion. And like like Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones would be like, I've dealt with this before. I've seen this Pac-Man. They did come down. The men in black took care of it, erased everyone's memory. It didn't entirely work on Adam Sandler. (laughs) And so he's like, he knew that aliens existed, but he didn't remember what happened. So he made up this whole story. And the movie is him telling everyone what he's pretty sure happened. And it's an extremely inaccurate version of it. Right. I mean, the men in black universe is certainly expansive. In this episode of this uh, cartoon, we see that Agent K has a lightsaber. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the Men in Black are canonically in the Disney Star Wars canon. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when Disney eventually buys the rights. You see E.T. walking around in the background. Yeah. And at one point, they arrest Yoda. (laughs) Yeah. So the thing that's the most notable about the Men in Black animated series, I think... Is just how incredibly the talking dog, right? No, as soon as, no, we'll as talk soon about as it. Frank started, we'll talking, talk about I'm Frank. Like, God, this is going to be great. It's it's impossible to find. Mm-hmm. It's on Crackle, which doesn't have like I used. I watched it on the Xbox app. You watched it on the web browser. Yeah, both are completely inadequate. They're unwatchable. They're both bad. I'd be shocked if one was any good after my experience. Yeah, it's like there's 
seven ad breaks and each ad break is like 30 seconds of ads and then it goes on for two minutes and you remember like, when happening? you watched tv like a, a, a like a gen xer well it's like that but on the computer when you thought you've escaped it you try to like click out of it like even open a new tab the ads pause they'll wait for you to watch them <laughs> well but the thing about tv is that a, a cable is not going to show you the same ad three times in a row and it's not going to show you half an ad and then cut away at the end. And it might. Hold on. Did you watch Nickelodeon as a kid? Because I saw the ad for zoo books more times <laughs> than I can even describe to you. So this is the Men in Black animated series. Obviously, nobody from the movies is involved in this at all. They sort of roughly approximate sometimes. And with some people, they don't really try at all. Like Frank the Dog, you mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. does not sound like anything like Frank the Dog. <laughs> they sort of like give him like more of a New York gruff, like a low. They really just had the creator's cousin Nikki come on set to be like, hey, I'm walking here. <laughs> yeah. And He's that's very honestly every line, but like right. no one ever takes him for a walk, which is really <laughs> sad. He's like, I'd like to be walking here. <laughs> he just sits there at that newspaper stand for just for eons, just waiting. I think something's wrong with his legs. Maybe they explore that in season no, two. No, because in Men in Black 2, too, he's like walking around. He's wearing a suit. There's, well, I there's will tell you, according seasons. to the Wikipedia there's article, four seasons of this show. This takes place in an alternate universe. The animated timeline is not the same as the movie one. Oh, that's weird. <laughs> I don't think that was an intentional creative choice, though. Right. I think that's more what fans decided since the show disregarded the movies. <laughs> well, no, not really, because, I mean, maybe they did, but in this first episode, at least, they're like, hey, here's Agent L, the character that was introduced during the last movie that's now an agent at MIB. Mm-hmm. That was just, like, written off between movies. Like, this is trying very hard to be a continuation of the movie's story. It's like trying, but then also wants it to be its own thing. Like, they threw out character development from the other one. The right. fact that K is around shows that they're not too hung up on continuity. Like you said with L, sometimes they're like, oh, we like this continuity. Oh, not that one. <laughs> right. It kind of feels like Sony trying to be, like, with Venom being like, Maybe it's part of the MCU. Well, you don't know. You got to see it to find out. And then you don't really find out. And it, it's probably not. Right. And Sony's like, it might be part of the MCU. And Kevin Feige's like shrugging his shoulders. Like he's not going to confirm or deny. <laughs> I signed a paper that said I can't say no, but you know, I want to. <laughs> so the men in black are just going on routine inspections pretty much going around. I mean, the whole beginning of this episode is actually kind of fun it's a nice misdirect because it seems like they're coming around to find like a cat in a tree that ends up being an alien but the and cat then like the immediately the just like the scene in the movie jay's taken and start like thrown around by a bunch of alien tentacles just like in the hentai i mean like in the movie when he's in the car and like the lady's giving birth that happens in both the first two movies because in the second also one in the second yeah in the second one. one there's definitely a scene where he's like thrown around by a tentacle monster yeah, I believe that. That's it's like the his same thing. movie. Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. It's his defining character trait outside of being Will Smith. Right. Which, as we've discussed, it, he's far from Will Smith in this one, which it'd be worse if they had someone doing a Will Smith impression. Yeah. It'd kind of be like Dan Castellaneta as the genie in Return of Jafar or any of the Mulan sequels where someone tries to be Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Oh, no. I never even considered that. It's as bad as you think. As I say that, I think there's only one Mulan sequel. Okay. But I think it's a white guy doing an Eddie Murphy impression. Is that a stay tuned? Should I do that on the podcast? 
um, maybe when I'm out of town and <laughs> you watch it alone. Far away, 50 mile radius. <laughs> yeah. It's a nice little cold open, basically. Like, you think they're saving an alien cat of a tree. It turns out the tree's the alien. They take out the alien. That's the whole thing. Like, that yeah. That alien's not part of the plot of the episode. I kind of like that. It's just, like, the beginning to establish these characters. Hothead rookie. Mm-hmm. Sick Tommy of the Lee shit, Jones. old man. Yeah, that's right. Okay, I gotta stop calling them by the actor's name. They are absolutely not the same people. K and J. K and J. K is old They're like man. even easier names to say. Tommy Lee Jones, that's three names. It's right. one letter. I should, I should jump on that. To get into the main plot of the episode, basically they're like chasing like a shrimp thing in the sewers. Scrollaldian. Scr- oh. No, it's scroll something. Okay. <laughs> is, it, is it a scroll? From the Marvel Universe? I had a note about it. I said the MCU ripped them off, but (laughs) you can imagine that was something I was going to bring up. It is kind of a scroll. Yet, no. Are they shapeshifters? Well, no, they're not. They're not shapeshifters. They like wear skin suits, maybe. I feel like every alien has a skin suit and I don't know if every alien has that ability or some of the disguises must come from the men in black. right? Right. Yeah, that's what I think is happening. So basically, Jay sort of mistakes the situation and kills this alien mm-hmm. and doesn't realize that that like, marks him for death, basically. like All yeah. of the aliens that are in this race are going to come to Earth, try and kill Jay, the Will Smith character. Mm-hmm. And Kay's just kind of like really blasé about it. Like He doesn't mm-hmm. seem to care very much. He's like, hmm. As if he like, I mean, I guess it's just sort of his confidence in figuring something out. But like. Well, I was about to say that what this show does too much is that everything is, something's always figured out and Jay doesn't know about it. But as I say that, the movie does that. Yeah, yeah, that's completely their bit. So Right. I mean, and I guess that's Kay's whole character, but like it sucks as a character thing Mm because he's like, okay, we're going to go. We're going to take out these alien, this alien in the sewers. I'm not going to tell my partner that he shouldn't kill the alien because that's going to mark him for death. And then after... I mean, I guess that the whole thing is that he's just sick of the shit. Like, he's had 30 partners or whatever, and they mm-hmm. all died, and he's like, mm, I guess this one's going to die, too. Because it's, like, funny at first they do a thing like, have you done your reading? And I'm like, oh, so he's just a kid who's unprepared. But then oh. it's, like, thing after thing he's unprepared for. And right. then another time there's a throwaway line like it was in the reading, and I'm like, so is the answer to everything in some textbook that he it's refuses like an, to read? It's like an encyclopedia that's like so big. Yeah. It's like the Bible. It's like at first I'm like, okay, that's a funny spin. Kids right. will find it relatable. It was like everything about don't shoot it, everything about this alien race, and then some other random fact he says is in the reading, and I'm like, what the fuck is this reading? Right. At this point, he's so unprepared for life. One sort of side note that, when I was looking at the animation, well, first of all, what did you think of the animation of it? How it all looks and everything? Because it is a well, particular style. I don't know about the animation of the show. Crackle itself like stretches it out from 3-4 aspect ratio to 16-9. Little watermark in the corner. Terrible quality. It's like this is the only official way to watch this legally. Really? Okay. Did it, did it play it right for you? No. I just thought everyone was drawn very wide oh. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, I, I, I know, thought, well, I know this is look, a choice. <laughs> I know the look of a stretched aspect ratio. Believe you me. <laughs> I'm well versed. <laughs> Something about the animation and the drawing style. I don't know why it reminded me of the Ronald McDonald cartoons. Did you ever see those? Yeah. I watched an episode for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I should, um, I should have guessed that was a cynical cartoon. Itself. The wacky adventures of Ronald McDonald. 
It really gave me vibes of that. But then partway through, it also reminded me of the 2003 Spider-Man show. The one that was on MTV with Neil Patrick Harris. Sure. Well, so so do you think that this is like a sort of classy Chusco like derivative kind of thing? Like the people that made the Ronald McDonald cartoon made Rugrats also. Does mm-hmm. it seem like in that world or does it not? No, something about the way the characters moved and even sort of the drawing. And to me, that says that must have just been a sign of the time because they all must have been produced around the same time. Yeah, it does look a lot like uh, the Godzilla animated series, which is an upcoming episode. And like around that time, wasn't there also an early 2000s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Real Ghostbusters, Robocop Commando. I was talking about that. There's a lot of shows around this time that look sort of similar. There was a Real Ghostbusters in the early 2000s? In the late 90s, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, and it was not like the original team. It was like a bunch of kids, and they were all like cyberpunks. It must not have been good, because I can't even say I've seen VHS tapes of it at Blockbuster. It was like, great. <laughs> well, I guess I'm wrong. Fuck me, then. <laughs> was it called The Real Ghostbusters? I think it... I don't know. I think The Real Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters was the 80s one. Yeah, The Real Ghostbusters okay. was one Extreme, the 80s. Extreme Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters sounds slightly familiar, and that okay. also sounds like what a show like that would be called. Right. So it reminded me of a lot of shows I know I watched at that time. Yeah. Have you seen the like 2003 Spider-Man show? No, actually. I saw the, the CGI. That's what I mean, Spider-Man. yeah, the CGI one. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I saw that. I saw an episode of that in a Costco. <laughs> it was on the display TV, and I was watching it. it- oh, yeah, it's not Christian. That's right. <laughs> but yeah, no, it, it gave me a lot of vibes for that, especially just in like everyone's faces had a really blocky sort of like hard angle right, drawing to it. Right. And it seems like with the Spider-Man show, they saw the Men in Black show and said, what if it was 3D? Because that's also a similar idea in that it was a continuation of a popular live action movie, but then it sort of goes off the rails and ignores the sequels to that movie. Cause I didn't realize, but that Spider-Man show was supposed to be a direct sequel to the first Sam Raimi film. And it's supposed to be a different continuity than two and three. Right. They do that a lot. Like even within the Spider-Man universe, like the Marvel Spider-Man cartoon that's on right now is based off Tom Holland kind of. Uh huh. And it's like supposed to be like sneaky in universe, but not really. Also like the Avengers cartoon that's on currently and Guardians of the Galaxy. Marvel does it a lot. (laughs) There's a Guardians of the Galaxy show. Yeah. And all the characters look like they do in the movies and he's got a Walkman and he's like, okay. Well, I I mean, it's also like it it makes sense in that one, it'd be too confusing to tie it all together. Right. But then two, right now, those are probably the most popular versions of those characters. Yeah, Like you sure. couldn't do a Guardians of the Galaxy show not based on the movie. Yeah, the Telltale game was based off the same kind as looks and stuff like that. And like mm-hmm. voice acting and everything. It's really good. The Telltale game of Guardians of the Galaxy. But that's way off track. I don't know. So basically, Jay accidentally kills an alien and marks himself for death. All the aliens are going to come after him. And his immediate reaction to that, after Kay tells him about that, he's like, can we just nuke their planet, basically? <laughs> Warmongering. <laughs> they treated that like that was a normal thing to say. It just says, oh, that's outside our dur- jurisdiction. And it's right. like, that's also... Horrible. <laughs> that sucks. Just to save the one guy. The men in black aren't necessarily, to my understanding, supposed to be like a violent tyrant over the galaxy they just help immigrants yeah they kind of have been sort of historically like the movies sort of delve into that like they have been in and out of overstepping their bounds for a long time but they're not like warmongers like they don't go around nuking planets Mm -hmm. just to save 
Will Smith's character. Yeah. It's not going to happen it's to not. you. It's so, not even voiced by Will Smith. So there's actually some really great bits in this episode. I kind of enjoyed this show. I mean, it's sort of just like lukewarm reception for me, uh-huh. but it was fine. I mean, there's some really great bits. I liked like all the parts where Kay is like talking about how everybody's so broken up about how Jay is going to die. <laughs> like basically the entire episode, everybody's just accepted that Jay's going to die. They like throw him like awake even though he's still alive and they was treated more like a going away party until the funeral music started playing and there's like streamers and balloons (laughs) falling from above and he's like what and everybody's (laughs) like bye jay bye and there's like a little thing that says like rest in peace like 1997 through 1997 yeah it's really good at one point this was a bit before earlier but like whenever they neuralized people i think that was a chance that they thought oh let's throw in some adult humor here but they didn't know how to do that so it's like all right everyone look right here don't forget to file your tax returns and i'm like right what (laughs) what yeah mib is funded by the irs don't forget to file your tax returns i mean that's kind of his thing in the movie too is that they're all like a government agency they're very like judicial Mm -hmm. is that yeah bureaucratic bureaucratic sure so i mean yeah there's a pretty great bit where they're just like walking around constantly and Kay is like yeah don't really talk about how you're gonna die everybody's really broken up about it everybody's like oh hey jay hey Kay, what's up like nobody really seems like it's very commonplace for people to just constantly die in mib mm-hmm. and i mean Kay's probably lost 30 partners before so he's just ready to let this one go yeah um my favorite part is when they're in the MIB headquarters and another one of the scroll people, Skraldian, we'll call them the scroll, sure. like breaks out and tries to kill Jay. Uh, in order to fight him, the like old guy in charge blows this whistle and then like a team of dads in quarter zips and cargo pants run out of a door and try to tackle the alien and you just see them get thrown at the ceiling. And I'm like, well, it didn't accomplish anything and it lasted a couple <laughs> seconds. But I'm like, why did they think that would work? And then, of course, Kay is the one with the answer. And it's like, why did you bother with anyone else trying to fight him? That moment is kind of amazing because Jay just accidentally, like, Mr. Magoo's himself into killing a second alien. And now Kay is like, oh, wow, now they're going to they're going to make stew out of you, dude. (laughs) Like, no, I think that was later. This is when Kay froze. Oh, yeah. okay. And they decide that freezing them is the answer. Which that's also a great bit because Jay's screaming in pain and he presses a button and a whole like spice cabinet of different sci-fi guns comes out and he takes his time choosing. That was where he pulled out the lightsaber and I was like, oh boy, okay. (laughs) Oh boy, here we go. Watto wandering around in the background of a scene. (laughs) Where's my pod racer? That's not what he sounds like. Not at all. (laughs) You you really fucked that up. I did less of a Jewish stereotype and more of a New York man. So... A better choice creatively, yeah, but yeah. not accurate to the film. <laughs> so they go to a restaurant to like check out a distress call, I guess. And there's like a guy choking and they open up his face. and It's just like a little alien with like a really deep voice. Yeah, I enjoyed that. Yeah. And I love that for the Heimlich, he just pokes his belly and he's fixed. The show is structurally sound, at least for this one episode. Like they introduce this little guy. Mm-hmm. They move on with the plot. I don't see him coming back. Chekhov's alien. He comes back at the end. Yeah. Saves the day. Great. Mm-hmm. Very good. Good Good structurally. It's got Mia's approval there. Mm-hmm. I had a question. Does the men in black get called every time an alien chokes on their lunch? Like, if they're supposed to be like a police force, that seems like a very minor thing for them. Yeah, but there is, there is a lot of agents. There's at least 26 of them. Okay. A through Z. 
So that's true. What do they do? Do they cut off after 26? I don't know. I mean, also, are they only centralized in New York and internationally? Or is there like a California division? We're going to have to wait till the movie comes out. So the movie came out and yeah, they're all over the place, but they can only have 26 (laughs) per city. Which I can't wait for Men in Black Texas. <laughs> With uh, they are just the same, but they also have black hats. <laughs> it's gonna be good. It's gonna be great. Ted Cruz is an alien. That's just gonna be this big gag that everyone's gonna love. Oh boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's let's guess now before the movie comes out. Who do you think in MIB International is gonna be revealed to be an alien? Kardashians, maybe. That's a good call. I think yeah. Trump's too ham-fisted. Yeah, they're not but gonna like do that one. Every blockbusters had a Trump reference in the last year. Or so, like, right. I bet anything that was written after 2016 has a reference like that. But Kardashians could be good. Kanye would be great. Yeah, that's wrapped up in Kardashians. Yeah, I know. Tyler the Creator. You think he's going to be in the movie? No, nah, he he's property of nbc universal that's true because he made the grinch soundtrack <laughs> yeah sony can't touch him and no, they've been it's trying probably to gonna be something so really long. it's probably gonna be james corden let's be oh honest. i'll leave i know i will, will. read hey reed what? if we go see men in black international and james corden's in it i'm gonna leave sure. cool okay logan cool. paul's gonna be an alien. no <laughs> Oh, when when they save the little guy in the restaurant and like Kay's gonna neuralize all the people, the little alien like puts on his own little glasses. I love, I love that. that. That was great. <laughs> but there was one part though where Kay is like, Yeah, when we neuralize people, the aliens can't be neuralized. I think he said specifically the scroll people can't be. Because okay, that it was after sense. the sunglasses thing that Jay's like, wait, if we can wipe people's memories, why don't we wipe the memories of the people who wanna kill me? That makes more sense because I was like, wait. They can't neuralize any aliens at all? Like That seems like it'd be necessary in their line of work. I'm sure it was designed primarily for humans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't, can't think of an instance in the movies when they ever had to neuralize an alien. Right. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how they sort of handle like neuralization in the modern day. Mm-hmm. Because like alien comes out, starts making ruckus, everybody's going to have cell phones. Mm-hmm. Unless they just become this omnipresent NSA type group that will then hack everyone's phones and get rid of it. I mean, they have to be that already, right? In the, in the movies, they're constantly keeping track of all of these aliens. They constantly know where everybody is. They're surveying everything all the time. Spooky shadow organization, you know? Yeah. Let's see where this goes. Because when you start really diving into the lore of it, they are this like all-knowing organization, eyes everywhere. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, as the episode goes on, Jay buys a hot dog. He's like, I guess it's my last day on Earth, so I guess I'll go buy a hot dog. And it's this whole great bit, you know, some New Yorker humor for you. It's all like, those things will kill you. And then alien tentacles. Yeah, they'll kill you. Set again. Laugh track. I loved it. It's great. It's very good. It's a great bit. But like, I think that's just a New York hot dog, honestly. Mm -hmm. I think they all do that. And you just kind of have to, it's like, well... Oh yeah, the it. tentacles out of the hot dog, they didn't flinch. But then when the guy turned into an alien, that's when they're like, they're like oh Whoa. shit. Now this was unexpected. Golly gee. <laughs> that's also a direct quote. I wrote that down. I can't believe that Kay actually dies at the end of the first episode. Yeah. Weird. I turned and it off two minutes before the ending, but you know, they really commit I assume to that's that, what which happened. Which is great. Yeah. Uh, they they watch the movie, continuity. The Creators, and they're like, he retires, lame. We're going to kill him. <laughs> At the end of the first episode. It's great. And before that, there's this great part when 
the big scroll people actually come down, like the giant monster leaders of them, to kill Jay. And then Kay gets a phone call. Like these people back at headquarters are like FaceTiming him. And the aliens stop and wait for him to have his call because they're just that polite. And I really appreciate that. Like you always assume that these big giant monsters are like total savages or whatever, but they waited for him to finish his conversation before they proceeded. And that was really nice. So yeah, I mean, of of course they don't actually kill Kay in this episode. What? I'm not good at picking up on things. You're going to have to help me with the more subtle things. It was basically, they they set up the small alien inside the skin suit earlier on so that they could like just boil him alive. Basically at the end of the episode, Kay offends all the aliens by sneezing into a handkerchief. And showing them. He's really doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's really showing them what's what. You know, that's the that's the alien equivalent of uh, basically whipping your dick out. Yeah. I was going to say they must have mucus dicks. And that's what they interpret it as. Yeah. So they're planning to turn K into soup. They basically like dunk him in the soup. Turns out that he was a little alien inside a skin suit. That's the whole thing. And there you go. Bada bing, bada boom. Great episode. Ends with the classic MIB song. (laughs) (laughs) Like sort of a lo-fi mix of it almost. I was rocking out to that. It was fun. It was not the greatest thing in the world. Mm -hmm. Forgettable, for sure. (laughs) It's definitely like, I put it in the same category. I mean, much lower in it, but like in a similar vein of not the 2003 Spider-Man show, but the late 90s one, Spider-Man, the animated series. I like that one, though. Yeah, I do too, but I was going to say it's similar in that it looks really cool. At the age that you're right to watch it, you love it. It made me like the characters and the whole universe and stuff like that. Not much to it when you rewatch it. At least that's sort of how I feel. I mean, I think I hold Spider-Man a bit higher in that regard, but it's still sort of a, oh, this was a lot cooler, as I remember. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I guess I haven't watched it in a few years. I was definitely in my 20s when I watched it last time and enjoyed it, though. So maybe I'm just dumb. Or maybe I love animation. I have a fucking cartoon podcast with like 160 episodes. So maybe I just am into cartoons. (laughs) That being said, I don't know the last time that I sort of rewatched Spider-Man. I've seen clips. Maybe I need to give it a whole episode. I think so. There There was an episode where he crossed over with Daredevil. That shit's cash. It's fucking great. Then maybe I have to check it out, and then I'll later say that I was wrong. No, I I probably won't ever say that, but, you know, I'll think it. Let's do a segment that we do sometimes on the podcast called The Licensed Animated Adventures. If you could cartoonify one little bit of your life, what little bit would that be? All right. Uh, what does this, what this segment entail? Hey, it's good that you've Not never that listened I don't to this podcast because we're going to have a bunch of new listeners that have probably never listened to this podcast before. It's almost like this was planned. <laughs> I am your POV character. I, cool. I am Jay. And you're... <laughs> All right, kids. So this is what we're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, my, my face splits open and Tommy Lee Jones steps out. <laughs> no, a little alien. <laughs> yeah. Little Tommy Wichell. <laughs> Little Tommy Um, I love cartoons that are based on live action properties, like made for kids, where they take something like Robocop, an R-rated, super violent movie, turn it into a cartoon for kids. Did they do that with Robocop? They did that with Robocop twice. <laughs> Robocop and Robocop Alpha Commando, which are both very good. <laughs> I got some catching up to do. <laughs> But yeah, so we watched Men in Black this week. I think that's a great example of like something that we would talk about. But like also past examples are like 
Will Reservoir Dogs, where you take like the Reservoir Dogs and you make them grade scores uh-huh. and stuff like that. Is there a live action movie that never got adapted into a cartoon that you would have loved to have seen? All right. Little Johnny Wick. <laughs> Hear me out. Oh, Will Johnny Wick is great. <laughs> Someone steals his stuffed animal. Right. And he needs to enact revenge. So this is far before the events of the first John Wick film. Oh, yeah. It's completely in the same continuity. He's okay. just like five. That's good. He still has a full, like, facial hair and hair. He mm-hmm. looks... It's Does, adult it, Keanu Reeves' head I was about on to say, is it boy. still Keanu Reeves? Can we get him back? Yes. Do you have, yeah, I've got Keanu on speed dial. We can call him in. I would love in Little Johnny Wick. It's like Little Johnny Wick. He's like kind of a crime solver with his dog. Yes. And him and his dog. And like sometimes they get wrapped up with like their Russian friends who run like a playground mob kind of. They run where their they're like own trading little marbles like Beyblades <laughs> Right, right. Beyblades is the common thread between all of these. Yeah. This is good. This I could sell to like yeah. Fox. Does Fox Kids exist? No. <laughs> Netflix. <laughs> they do a lot of these DreamWorks of TV. <laughs> Who owns John Wick? Is that Fox? Disney now. So Disney Let's XD. Let's see what's up. Okay, so John Wick was distributed by Summit Entertainment. Of course. Which is Summit Kids. Here part of c- Paramount, maybe? Oh, so it's a Nickelodeon thing. Maybe Nick Jr.? I'll send this shit to Nickelodeon. I'll do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it can't be Nick Jr. There's going to be some some rough and tumble shit going on. He's going to beat might, up some other kids. There's going to be they blood. They might push people. There's going to there be blood. There has to be blood. It has to be as violent as the movies, if not more so. <laughs> more so. Got it. Definitely. Maybe Nick at night territory. Let's yeah. call up George Lopez and see if he can pull some Get strings. Get the shit on Netflix. It'll be like Daredevil, you know? Mm-hmm. Kids just like really it. go for it. People were like, wow, like it's great for my kids. But then suddenly I'm like, you guys have to leave. <laughs> oh, little Johnny Wick. I love it. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Oh, snap! Oh, snap! Oh, snap! Oh, snap! We are a rumor. Recognizable only as deja vu and dismissed just as quickly. Ah! Catching up on my daily meditation. Time for lunch, I think. Are you hungry? It's 9.30. Perfect. Tuesday's taco day. Let's talk about MIB International. This was definitely a Sony comedy. That's what I can say. It was a movie. You, you've got that right. Here's, here's how you make a Sony comedy. I'm listening. You, you get $90 million. You take one pass of the script. Seems simple enough. You, you shoot it with named actors that aren't usually very funny and then you you do effects work for a month and a half and then you release it okay that's about it and this works you said it makes Uh, money it makes good movies well oh makes sony movies i guess you can call them movies so for anybody out there that hasn't seen mib international you you know what this movie is Mm -hmm. it's gonna be two sexy charismatic actors Mm -hmm. that can't tell a joke but they look sexy while not telling a they, joke. They definitely smarm a lot. 
lots of smarm. Yeah. There's a lot of smarm going on in this movie. So are we just going all spoilers, assuming people either don't care about spoilers for yeah. this movie? Or, yeah. yeah, we're going to go all spoilers talking about MIB International. I don't think there's anything you can ruin about this movie that people don't. Well, I mean, like, people are going to figure out that Liam Neeson is the bad guy as soon as you see him. Yeah. That's not, that's not a spoiler. It's the most bare bones movie. The thing mm-hmm. that I had said about this movie is that MIB International feels like the movie that I would have written if they had given me a million dollars to write an MIB movie Mm -hmm. and six hours to do it, but I'd never seen any of the other ones. But you did browse the Wikipedia pages because it did take some particular story beats from the original movies. So there's some familiarity. You've heard of The Men in Black. Maybe you've heard the song. Right. That's all that I had, actually. I listened to the Will Smith raps from the end of the last movies, and I'm like... Uh I know what this movie is. The problem is then you also listen to the Pitbull one, and that's when you stopped writing jokes. Oh, man. I think that's the main issue with MIB International. There's there's no jokes. Like, there's jokes, but they're not, like, they're really first draft jokes. Like, there's a check please in this movie. And it's like, why? Why? There were, like, a lot of moments where I'm like, oh, here comes a joke. And then there wouldn't be one. Like, what was it when he's like, I need to borrow your bike. And he gets on the big, like, space motorcycle. And he's like, you need some water? No, I'm good. And then he leaves on the motorcycle. And then he's like, whoa, this is harder than I thought. And I'm like, right, this a punchline's coming, right? When he, gets on the, when he gets on the motorcycle, you're like, oh, he's going to be bad at it. <laughs> and then he is bad at it, but he's also good at it. <laughs> and so it's like, where is, where, where's the joke? I'm trying to think. There were a lot of like almost setups to them right before the check, please, when she pulls out the uh, noisy cricket that Will Smith had. And I'm like, oh, this is sort of funny. And she's just like, uh, really? And it's like, okay, uh, I was expecting a punchline there. But you did have a callback. I think that this movie has a lot of moments that seem like they're trying to tell a joke, but they're more like just exposition. I'm, I don't know. I'm really trying to remember i feel like i've been neuralized right now because (laughs) there were moments i think i enjoyed i'm not sure what they are now and how long ago did we see the movie 30 Uh, minutes ago yeah yeah it ended like an hour ago yeah yeah so we just got back from the theater do you you think the problem is that they depended a lot on improv and they wrote in the script a lot like chris and tessa do something funny here and then they just couldn't bring it or do you think the problem is that they didn't allow it because it feels like it's one or the other right like they're really loose on the improv Mm -hmm. and let them do it a lot and it's not funny or that they're like strictly stick to the script and there there wasn't enough life in it i think it was probably script focused and it's like oh but if you think of something funny go ahead and say it and that never sort of came and when they wrote the script it's like oh there'll be plenty of improv (laughs) so we'll we'll have more jokes but then (laughs) there were no jokes from the improv and there were no jokes in the (laughs) if you think of something funny go ahead and say and chris hemsworth is like okay and then never once during the movie does it (laughs) (laughs) like you really thought there'd be more here well there's a lot of staples of the MIB Men in Black franchise here, right? Like, they do do the thing where they're like, oh, all these celebrities are aliens, right? But the thing about that that was funny in the other movies was that they were like, oh, Michael Jackson is an alien, and look, he's here talking about being an alien. Mm-hmm. Here, they don't do that. They just have clips of, like, they you know, have Donald Glover's an alien. from the Met Gala, and I'm pretty sure those are clips that I had to get through archives when I was at E as a PA. Like, they just had someone with access to a thing look through a server right. and find relevant 
photos or just like pull up some celebrities and we'll figure out who goes there in the editing. Because there's no, I bet that wasn't in the script either. It probably just said celebrities because the dialogue was, well, that's not surprising. Like, right. that's it, as they look at his screen in the distance. It's like Donald Glover, like Elon Musk, I think, was up there. And it's like, okay, that's, we we, we had said the Kardashians, and it mm-hmm. wasn't. It was Ariana Grande, which is very that's similar. fine. Elon Musk, I think, was good. Donald Glover, I'm like, who will people like to see? Oh, it'd be cool. What if we got Donald Glover in the movie? And then he didn't want to be in the movie, so right. they're like, can we use your picture? And he's like, fine. Right, this feels like a movie that should have a lot of cameos in it, and doesn't. Mm-hmm. Like... When there's an agent who's on screen for 30 seconds doing something important, why not just make that like Steve Buscemi? Or James Corden. Yeah, yeah. James Corden is not in this movie, mm-hmm. by the way. G- glad. Great. I would have walked out. I almost <laughs> walked out in the middle of this movie, actually. Another staple of the MIB franchise is people actually being really small aliens in costumes. That's always a great bit. And right. I thought, when when are we going to see a good version of this? And then it came when they meet this man who his beard is an alien. And I was like, oh, this is great. It, see, it Hands down the best alien in the movie was the little beard guy. I feel like the little beard guy was like a Chekhov's beard setting up something else that never pays off. Because you see him, he's like on the guy's face and the guy gives H, uh, Chris Hemsworth's character, the water bottle. And he's like, take this water with you. And he's like, whatever, okay. And then the little beard like comes up later on. He's like, I was inside the water bottle all along. And then he steals something and runs away. Never seen again. Well, because you do see him again when he says the water bottle thing and he doesn't have the beard. So it's like, oh, where's the beard guy? Right. Who knows? But like, I just mean the beard guy never comes back. Like yeah. He speeds off on a little mini speeder bike or something like that. Never heard from again. This movie has so many dropped threads. There's a moment in the middle where it's like, oh, they saved the day and like... The movie's over, right? Before the big turn with Liam Neeson, which you all know is coming. And it's like, well, the movie's only an hour and 15 minutes in and nothing's really happened. So like it can't end yet. And it goes on for another 30 minutes and nothing happens and then it ends. And you're like, I guess it's movie length. I thought the transition between the fake out, oh, it's not the ending. There's another bad guy to the actual bad guy was pretty like they sort of gave up around then. It's like, okay, so now they're at a party. Um Oh, then they both on their own figure out, hold on, there's probably another bad guy. And then they get back together and leave the party to go fight him. It's like, that just seemed like they didn't want to connect those plot points. So they're like, we'll just have them verbally figure out what they hadn't figured out so far. Right. I don't know. There's just not a lot of like fun here, I guess. It feels like Phantom Menace without the charm, which is... That's kind of harsh. Hold on. Is it though? Because there's like clip clop and aliens running around. They're like, oh yeah, look at this. This guy's weird. He's Tim. He's a big green alien. Or this one like can slow down time and she's horny for Chris Hemsworth. But like she doesn't do anything. What? what, They don't even have a funny voice like in like Phantom Menace or something like that. Like there's nothing. You mean they're not racist caricatures? (laughs) Listen. (laughs) I'm listening. Watto is funny. Well, that's out there. You are not editing that out. I think we were on some reference Watto in this episode when we were talking about MIB animated. I feel like the animated show and even the first movie had more interesting designs for the aliens. There wasn't anything yeah. really cool. And there's, you know what people really hated about that original Men in Black? Mm-hmm. All the practical effects. People were yeah. like, this sucks. Why is it not all bad CGI? And now. Yeah, now it's, it's like, CGI. oh, thank God. Great. It's. <laughs> It's the like pre-renders from the Detective Pikachu movie finally found their way into a film. 
<laughs> yeah, I think I saw Mr. Mime walking around in the background of this one. I think this is an important element of the movie. Mm-hmm. J and K in the original films were so well characterized. Like, you got what they were, right? Like, the hothead rookie, even though, like, three movies in, 15 years later, he's still, like, the hothead rookie, kind of. You know, mm-hmm. he's, like, thinks he knows everything, never knows anything, never researched, right? And then K is, like, knows everything, but never tells anybody anything and, like, keeps all the secrets. He's very stoic. He never smiles. He never laughs or tells a joke. But he is funny in that mm-hmm. way. Tell me anything about Tessa Thompson's character in this movie that's interesting. I think I might disagree with you there because I feel like both Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth have all the right setup to be good characters just without the jokes. Like, cause she, I think it's an interesting take how she saw the men in black as a kid, didn't get neuralized and then sort of obsessed over trying to become one of them. So she sort of has the skill and capacity to be a good agent, just not any experience. And then you have Chris Hemsworth who sees himself as, you know, he's the top agent. He doesn't even have to try. And so in some ways, he's more street smart, but then she actually knows useful information about the aliens. Like, she does her homework that Jay never did in the cartoon and stuff like that. And so I think that's sort of an interesting thing because it has, it feels similar to the dynamic between the, like, aging K and the rookie Jay, but sort of in a new sort of fresh way. And I think that would have, worked better had they had jokes to tell but it was like a lot of setup like okay i like these actors i like the dynamic let's see where this goes and it didn't really go anywhere yeah i think the problem with that though is that is that all of that stuff that you just described is stuff that happens like at the beginning of their arc yeah like tessa thompson knows everything about like alien stuff because she's well researched and he's not Mm -hmm. and he's like dumb enough that he's learning stuff from the rookie even though he's been doing all this for 15 years But it's also, I think what's interesting about the original Men in Black is you don't know much about J or K. You don't get into their backstory or personal life. Sure. But you know their dynamic and their dialogue is interesting enough that you're along for the ride. And I think that works well there. And it could have worked well here, but they didn't have much to say. (laughs) I, I guess that's a big problem for me with the movie, too, is that like he is horny strong charismatic dumb guy she is smart hates jokes and fun but also i don't know that just seems like such like a classic like sitcom dynamic that i hate seeing again played Mm -hmm. out i didn't get the sense that she hates jokes and fun i I mean i mean more got the sense that she at times got sick of his shit. Right. I think the dynamic though is he's like hey let's play with the fun alien weapon and she's like no that's against regulation and it's like well (laughs) What what are we supposed to think about her character in that situation? Like, we're supposed to like her because she follows the rules, question mark? I don't know. Well, I mean, Kay is also like, we got to be by the books regulations, I'd say more so than her. And I think hers is more, that side of her is motivated by she's new, she wants to do a good job, she wants to do it right. Whereas... On the flip side of that, he's not concerned about doing it right because he already sees himself as the top agent. He thinks he's great at everything he does. He's pretty much Archer from that show mixed with Thor, but I think that's also Chris Hemsworth riffing sounds like Thor. So anytime he riffed and you're waiting for a joke, I'm like, oh, this is almost a Thor movie. So that's how I'd say what their characters are. And yeah, I think they're pretty much just as developed as the original Men in Black, 
Okay, maybe that's taking it far. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. How, how, I don't, how long has it been since you saw that first movie? Because really, I think the first Men in Black movie well, is like it's a... it's not on Netflix anymore, so... <laughs> it's, it's kind of a masterclass in characterization. I don't know. I feel like that in my memory is what it is, and then every movie after that, it's such a gradual decline mm-hmm. where none of them like jump so far down mm-hmm. in quality. It's just they all jump so far down in quality. <laughs> To get to here, it's not like, oh man, we got three great movies and now this? Like, this didn't breathe new life into the franchise or anything like that to me. I would say, yeah, breathing new life into the franchise is kind of a big statement. I liked that it was different characters. (laughs) That's new. And their dynamic was not an exact ripoff of J and K from Men in Black. It just comes down to I wish they had more interesting things to say and do in the movie. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think it's weird that they both, neither of them really seem like Men in Black material. Like, the whole thing about Mm -hmm. Men in Black is that it's, like, this fucked up shadow organization, like, they're the villains in the X-Files. And they, like, Mm -hmm. go around, they cover everything up, they, like, neuralize everybody, they're always very clinical about what they do, they're not emotional about it all, they don't even have names, they don't have families, they don't have loved ones. And here it's, like, these two become so sentimental so quickly and tell each other their names and do alien shit and don't neuralize anybody (laughs) the entire movie. And it's like, yeah, they were not on top of the neuralization and it helped that they ended up being pursued by the men in black who I assume neuralized everybody. Yeah. They went around and did the actual cleanup stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it just seems like at the end of the movie, like Emma Thompson should come out and be like, well, you literally didn't follow any of our rules. And even though you kept on telling him that he was breaking the rules, you also broke all the rules and didn't really do anything to stop the situation. So this is your first week on the job. So you're fucking fired. And you it did save the world, though. I think that gives that, them a pass. But men in black do that every day. Like, that's so the you whole think thing. that. Oh, no, I guess they've done it at least three times. Like that, that's that's the whole thing in the movie is at the end of the first one, Will Smith's character is like, well, like, shouldn't the world know about this? Like, shouldn't the world know if there's a horrible threat coming? And Kay is like, yeah, happens every day. <laughs> like, literally, there's always a threat to destroy New York or the world or the universe or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we always stop it and nobody ever knows. That's true. I need to see that again. God, you're hyping this first one up. It's a great movie. I mean, that's the weird thing to me is that Barry Sonnenfeld and Steven Spielberg both produced this. And it's mm-hmm. like, why? Isn't it better? Yeah. Why is it the movie that it is? Like, it's like, okay. And like passable at times, but nobody's going to remember this two weeks from now, which is always just the worst thing about these kinds of like Sony comedies, like Ghostbusters, Pixels, stuff like that. It's like, not that it's so horrible to watch in the theaters, which sometimes it is. Mm-hmm. It's that, you know it's just nobody's ever going to talk about it again. One joke that I think is going to stick with me is at the end when they need to go find Liam Neeson, they go into the garage. He like looks for his car and it's destroyed. And he's like, Oh yeah, that happened. And then there's another one with a tarp over it. They pull off the tarp and it's just like a sedan. But then like the little aliens like, Oh yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And it's, Oh yeah. We didn't talk about Kumail's character. The we little pawn. Pawnee. There's nothing to talk about. They, they wanted him to be Olaf from Frozen. <laughs> That's so what they Doesn't wanted. Doesn't make me like him more. I know, but it sort of contextualizes what they thought they were doing. When in fact, <laughs> I only remember him saying, now that's what I'm talking about when he sees a sedan. Oh boy. Ian, best and worst parts of this movie for you? Best part, either the sedan part or, nope, the beard So a part alien. that you actually didn't like, though. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I okay, like the, the little beard the, alien, the beard alien is and I liked, liked looking at Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson for 90 yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah, my best part is definitely Tessa's hair. Her hair, yeah. When they first reveal her in the suit and the hair. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, oh, well. I have really curly hair, and it's not like that. You go outside in the wind for 10 seconds, and it's fucked for the day. Mm-hmm. And she, like, falls off the Eiffel Tower or whatever, and she's like, oh, perfectly quaffed. <laughs> it's great. And, like... Chris Hemsworth's eyes, man. Like, without the Thor beard there, it really brings it out more. I do think this movie brought down my opinion of both of them quite a bit. Like, I That's just rude of you. I just, I think they're both very charismatic and very, like, handsome people, and I love them in Thor, and I hope that they have great careers. But this made me think that, like, they aren't, they don't have, like, a bright future in comedy. Mm -hmm. And maybe they didn't work with the right people. Like, who knows who directed this movie? It's not on IMDb. Nobody knows. We said no spoilers, but there's no Will Smith rap in it. There's no Will Smith We all get at really all. excited because there's there ends up being a foot chase through like a bizarre area. And I'm like, this looks like the live action Aladdin. Are they going to meet the genie? No. They well, like missed out on the bi- biggest, most ambitious crossover event of the year. I mean, I think that was the thing was that the best moments of this movie were when we got so bored by it that we were making jokes to each other. Like, there wasn't a moment where I was like, oh, this is, like, the standout moment in the movie. It's really hard, because, like, I think the jokes and performances of this movie is already not notable, but it's also in the shadow of Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones in the first one, which would be hard even for a good movie. Um, Least favorite part of this movie? When, like, the alien thing is hitting on Tessa Thompson. Oh, that's In the club. And Chris Hemsworth, like, tries to pimp her out. That's that weird. was really. He's like, it's a prank. I almost made you sleep with an alien. She's like, what? That was what? Yeah, that's the worst. That was fucked up. Um, my least favorite parts of the movie either the alien twins, the villains in the movie, or the sort of quasi villains who like don't really do anything interesting the entire time. Also, you can tell that they were only in the movie because they're twins. They're not menacing at all. And I also when they said. When they're like, we'll do anything to defend our planet, so would we. And I'm like, you know it's bad when they're ripping off Captain Marvel. <laughs> the same <laughs> plot twist from Captain Marvel. You think That's the, people, the level this movie's at. The people at Sony like saw that, saw Captain Marvel, and they were like, oh, fuck. And they're like, no, it's, it's fine. We don't need to change anything. <laughs> it's fine. Nobody cares about the plot of this movie. I mean, my, my other least favorite part of the movie was when Tessa Thompson at the beginning of the movie, when she doesn't get neuralized by MIB, like... She has this little alien that she's like, go free, go out in the world. And then later on in the movie, she's like, oh, it's this guy that we run into mm-hmm. is the adult version of that alien that I knew as a kid. And it's like, why is this universe so small that anytime an alien shows up in this movie, you know, they're going to be back in 20 minutes. Like nobody can ever like it's not expansive enough that characters never show up again. It was very stupid. From the be- moment that happened, I knew that alien would come back, but I thought it would be more consequential. Because it's just, they have to get out of a tough squeeze, and it's a big muscly guy who helps them escape. I don't know, because it's one of those things I feel like they should have done more with that, but at the same time, I was like sighing and cringing as it happened, and I'm like, I probably would have hated it if it was a bigger part. (laughs) So I don't know if I want to say it's better or worse. I feel like so much of this movie is like setting up a universe, and they're like, Riza, that's a character everybody's going to want to see next time around, right? And it's like, what even would a sequel to this movie be are they is Tessa going to go back to America and Chris Hemsworth's going to be there is Tessa is Chris going to come to it like what is the movie I think it'd be well 
okay, this is a hypothetical. If the movie was really good, they could potentially spin off two of them where one, it's all Tessa Thompson and one, it's all Chris Hemsworth. (laughs) I'm sure somebody at Sony has already pitched that as, okay, once this is a success, we can launch it into two different franchises. And on one hand, in this hypothetical, if it was good, I think that'd be cool just to see more MIB agents expand the world more. But if it's really following the tradition of Men in Black, the second one is going to be retreading the plot of the first one. So they're going to find a contrived reason for Chris Hemsworth to go to America and they do the same movie again. Right. When we talked about the animated series, I had said like, wow, I can't wait for the movie to really expand the universe and like show us what... MIB Texas is like, and if there's more than 26 agents per I area, I still want to see MIB none, Texas. None of that. You don't see any <laughs> of that. They're in, in this suits movie. with black cowboy hats. Yeah, I don't have anything else to say about this movie. Can you neuralize me? Oh yeah. Uh, hold on. Wait, no, I'm on probation. Oh, I don't shit. get a neuralizer. But it's probation of leading the international branch of the organization. Ian, where can people find you online if they want to check you out on social media? Uh, I am at Ian Schrank on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm on Twitter at StopTweetingMia. Thanks for listening to Cynical Cartoons for another week. As always, I'm your host, Mia Marchant, and I'm here if you need to talk. They're back in action and back in black. And if you think these guys can cook, let's make it hot. Check out the newest BK Back Porch Griller at Burger King, the Black Stack Barbecue Griller. Oh, now y'all running. Men in Black 2 and the Black Stack Barbecue Griller at BK. You got it. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 